0: Eden, my love, how are you? Where are you?
1: Oh, a bit of a lovey dovey start there, Shelley. I guess, um, well, I'm good actually. It's our anniversary, a little second wedding anniversary. So, uh, we're all loved up and gone out for a flash dinner in this rather salubrious restaurant, uh, <laughs> in the town of, uh, well, it's not salubrious at all. Let's just, just not muck around. It's real the table sort it of looks as been hacked together a few bits Pretty of wood what's it called restaurant andrea or something <laughs> um <laughs> where are we uh we're in the town of salento uh, a small little place in colombia and uh it's basically all about coffee and trout here. (laughs) (laughs) That
0: magical combination.
1: (laughs) Welcome to the How Are You, Where Are You podcast. We like to call this an audio travelogue of our adventures by bike as we mount our trusty steeds and ride back to the land of goody-goody gumdrop ice cream and Roundup. Yes, that's (laughs) New Zealand. (laughs) More specifically, we're headed to the area made famous by the the wonderful Ewen Bridge and the gorgeous Golders Cottage. Mm. It's the Half Valley of New Zealand.
0: In breaking news, everybody's talking about it. It's a complete escándalo that has shaken Colombia. Yeah, no the indignation. They say it's not fair that they were robbed of the crown, that there's no justification for stealing the crown, a tragedy and very horrible.
1: <laughs> Last night, Miss Colombia was crowned, Miss Universe until uh, some dropkick host, some clown, uh, read the wrong name on the card. And really, Miss uh, Universe was Miss Philippines.
0: Yeah, that, it was just so cringy. It was funny though, because we were watching it in the home of our new friends, Hernando and Francie and um, Francie's actually a beauty queen. She is Mrs. Columbia at the moment. We haven't looked into exactly what this pageant is, but um, she was kind of the one that turned it on, and we don't really normally watch Miss Universe, do we? No. <laughs> no. And um, so we were sitting there thinking, gosh, it's getting late. We would need to get to bed, but, oh, well, well, you know, we'll watch it. Well, it was worth staying up for.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it was a total cringe fest, really. Like the guy, um, they they put the crown on her head and everything, and then what? The the guy who's ho- the host, Steve, he was saying, uh, "I have to apologize." Everyone was like, "What?" And then literally, they took the crown off her head and put it on the other lady's head. Uh,
0: yeah it was on all the news channels this morning here (laughs) everyone's just like what how could they do this yeah pageants
1: are really important to uh Colombians like I don't know I mean my memory memories of watching uh, Miss World and Miss Universe back in the 80s probably it was always like Colombia Venezuela they featured quite high and so you know really into pageants here and in the lead up We've seen a, uh, on TV when we've been in cafes at lunchtime and stuff, crossing live to Nevada in uh, Las Vegas, where, you know, previewing the uh, Miss Universe pageant, how do you think it's going to go? Will Miss Universe be okay? Because Columbia was actually Miss Universe 2014 as well. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, they really get into it for some strange reason.
0: Yeah, well, congratulations, Miss Philippines, but it was kind of bittersweet, wasn't it?
1: Letras is a tiny little outpost with just a couple of restaurants and really not much else. There's not much going for it. They, they make local cheese and normally the people that visit there are just passing truck drivers.
0: But Baden, what makes this place really special is that it sits 3600 meters up in the air and it was your bright idea to find out what it takes to get there by bike
1: we are perched at the bottom of the climb the Alto de letras and we're feeling pretty nervous Um, and the reason is uh, this is the world's or said to be the world's longest continuous road climb it's um, locals tell us it's anything between 75 to 82 kilometers from this very point we are now in the town of Mariquita and we're at about 492 meters and I think we have to climb up to about 3,400 or 600, 3,600 meters, I think, to the, to the top. And in front of us at the moment is quite a uh, steep ramp to get going with, so that's a, uh, a nice welcome sight, I guess, in the first 100 meters. We've been talking to quite a few people in preparation for this climb, a lot of locals last night. We've already seen some cyclists and racing bikes uh, and lycras uh, give us some advice this morning. They say it's hard, <laughs> they say we're going to have strong, need to have strong legs, strong minds, uh, and that it goes on for quite a while. So I think, you know, given that we are riding here on big steel tours with all our worldly possessions uh, strapped to them, that uh, this indeed could take two days.
0: Okay. <clears throat> okay. We're making our way up the mountain. We've just passed the thousand meter mark, so that's elevation one thousand. And you know before we started I was really <laughs> scared like I felt nauseous and um know I I didn't know what to expect and I guess it's like any big task that you're going to undertake before you start it's the fear of the unknown and and then now that we're you know on the mountain I kind of think okay yeah I I could do this a little bit at a time the road is really lovely and smooth and some parts have been quite steep but in general I think it's going to be a beautiful climb getting lots of support from truck drivers passing us. This road's quite important, it it links Bogota with a town called Manesales which is, you know, kind of like is at the heart of the coffee growing region here in Colombia. So there's a lot of traffic back and forth and uh, it's an important strategic route and obviously a hell of a lot easier in a truck or on a motorbike.
1: We're up over 2,000 meters now and uh, the the scenery has really just opened up. We're riding across, I guess it's a saddle on a ridge and on both sides of the road at the moment there are like drops. It looks like 500 to 1,000 meters down on either side. So it's pretty spectacular. The cloud is rolling in over over the top of us and... Whoa, it's... um. It's been uh, quite full-on, although um, you can see, you know, with the beauty of this climb and how challenging it is, uh, you can see why it's uh, often used as a stage on the Vuelta de Colombia. Oh, it's a little bit of a down now. That's good. Uh, Yeah, it's used on the stage of the Vuelta de Colombia, so, you know, some of the great riders, Nairo Quintana, Esteban Chavez, they coming right up this road and so I think that's why some of the locals have been giving us so much encouragement knowing that you know normally it's professional cyclists on road bikes that come up here not uh, big fat uh, steel tourers but uh, we're getting lots of encouragement although this big fat coffee farmer just before he said that um, oh you've just done the easiest part the, the hardest bits to come and so yeah That wasn't, um, that wasn't massively encouraging considering that uh, we've only done 37k and we've got to get up to about 78 to the top and the hardest bits to come. Well, it's the easiest right now, it's a little downhill stretch, so so that's nice, the brakes are singing out, but uh, the old adage is just keep going.
0: We're in a white world now, we're well up over 3,000 meters and this is something that we've never done before. We're kind of now having to just break it down into 3 or 4 or 5k chunks. stop and rest because you know we're getting quite short of breath and also it's really cold up here now it's just we're surrounded by cloud and like clouds kind of billowing over us our breath is condensing and it's like it is a completely different world than the one we were in at the start of this climb where it was baking hot So now, instead of banana plantations and lots of flowers, lots of houses and farms, it's just kind of a lot of lichen and moss, no more flowers, lots of kind of alpine plants surrounding us, and you know, we can't see, there's no view anymore, it's just white. Oh, it's really hard to breathe. Also, it's taken us like over 9 hours to pedal to this point, and after that long, pedaling on one road, you kind of feel like you own it. Like, I'm, you know, frequently in the middle of the road in order to get the best line and avoid the steepest parts. And I'm just like, cars can just go around me. It's not the safest so because visibility is quite low, so we do have to be careful. And you can probably hear there's quite a lot of traffic. We're still getting a lot of support, and we even had a man in a truck pull over and offer us a rope that he would attach to the back of his truck to pull us up with. We were like, ah, okay, I'd rather do the climb than do that. I would definitely fall off if we tried that. But I'm going to stop and turn our lights on now because because the cloud is getting really dense. (sighs) We've been drinking a lot of coffee on our way up. This is like some of the world's best coffee comes from here because it's cold and because the fruit matures slowly, it makes it more delicious. Yeah, we've been drinking a lot and I think we'll need more to get to the top.
1: We're at the top. We made it. Alto de Letras. Oh, what does it say on my Garmin? 3,589 meters high. Whoa, I just got a massive, it's totally, the weather is totally overwhelming us. Like, I just got splashed by a truck going past here on the top of the climb. It's, whoa, I mean we can hardly breathe right now it's the air feels quite thin if you if you any time we try and put a little effort in it makes us feel like you know we can't go anywhere we couldn't feel like you've got no oxygen it's been really tough especially the last five to ten kilometres we've been stopping maybe every kilometre just to or even less than that sometimes 50 metres because we need to catch our breath back and it sort of seems to help when you stop and go on again but I don't know how do you feel, Shelley? I feel
0: really emotional.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's well, it's been really tough, hasn't it? We've done two days worth 40k, uh, in two days to get up here. It's taken us about 10 hours dragging our big fat bikes up this hill. Was it worth it, though?
0: <laughs> well, it's just I don't know. the The view up here is bleak and desolate i feel joyless right now um so maybe it will feel worth it tomorrow but right now my body is telling me that this is a bad idea and i think it's doing that by making me involuntarily cry all the time
1: <laughs> i sincerely hope that uh, the town of Manizales, which people keep promising us that it's just going to be descending all the way down I hope the town of Manizales has some warm shower on offer because I don't know we're soaked right through there was a cafe a little bit lower than the climb we just like got all our warm clothes out of our bag and put them on but my
0: I'm freezing
1: yeah and my bum is really really cold right now even with like I'm double layered at the moment on the old bum but it's (laughs) it's tough but here we are Alto de la Tras seems like the weather has just calmed ever so slightly at this very moment so we've got it to ourselves the trucks have gone and so I guess wow we've we've achieved something pretty I don't know if it's awesome but we've achieved something
0: (laughs) sometimes when you're on the road you get absolutely blown away by what you see often it's because of the scenery and the views but a few days ago on the road from Bogota we were having a nice day, we were just pedaling along when we came all of a sudden to a town that had been absolutely devastated. Here's the story.
1: Shelley, we didn't expect to see this rolling through the small town of Emero.
0: Yeah, this is just like quite sobering, really sad sight. Um, when we first came into the town, there was just a few clues that something was going on. Um, there was a, a big sign with a lot of children's faces on it and it said, lost children. And then there was also a sign, big billboard next to it with the Pope on it, with a 30 year commemoration Pope visit.
1: Yeah, so what happened in this town of Amero on the 13th of November, 1985, what was that there was a massive uh, volcanic eruption. Now I understand the volcano talking to a local lady just before. Uh, the volcano was about 25 kilometers away. It erupted, and pretty much just uh, the ash and lava just wiped out this town. The, um, the town had 44,000 people living in it. And then how many died? 25,000, she said. Uh, it's incredible, and the town now is pretty much abandoned.
0: Yeah, I think it's um, it's just a bit of a kind of living reminder of, of um, what happened and the need to be more prepared for these kinds of things in the future. But it's um, yeah, there are just kind of overgrown streets leading off the highway to nowhere. There are half-buried houses. It's a bit confusing at first because the houses, like, uh, below the level of the road and at first I thought maybe the, maybe the, all the mud and everything and rock like busted out the f- bottom floors and everything collapsed but of course uh, that must have been buried in like 10 meters of, of mud and that's now the new ground level here um, and also the reason why obviously they couldn't recover some of the bodies of the children and, and probably adults that, that were killed.
1: The town really looks like a sort of a more modern version of Pompeii it's just like a shell of a town and there are uh, graves and crosses all through it. It's, it's very sad.
0: Yeah, and as you go through, uh, people wave DVDs at you and we're not quite sure what they contain. There must be photos of, of the tragedy or and that's really the only life that's in the, in the town now. Um, traditional coffee farm, finca, cafetera, artesanal Don Elias, that's the guy, isn't it?
1: Yeah, this is it. This is uh, the Verera Palestina, a little bit down a dirt, really bumpy dirt road down from uh, Salento, <laughs> and we've come to do a
2: coffee tour.
0: That, so this is a picture of Don Elias here. Look how cute he is with his little hat on. Cool, this should be good.
2: My name is Mateo. Uh, Mateo, I'm 21 years old, and I'm Don Elias' grandson. I know a lot of English, obviously. That's because I lived a little bit of time in New Jersey. So first, we're going to do a recorrido. We're going to do a tour of La Finca, how coffee gets cultivated, how it grows from seed, everything about it, everything about the plant. After we learn everything about the plant, we're going to go back up to the farm and learn processing which is everything that's going to happen after the harvest. Peeling, so on, all the way to toasting. And at the end, you're going to drink some fresh coffee from this farm.
0: Awesome. Wow. So, and and how big is this farm?
2: It's only four hectares. Four hectares in size. That's really small for a coffee farm, but easy to be organic. Uh,
0: So is that quite rare, organic coffee?
2: Kind of, yes, because a lot of farms want to make loads of money they're gonna be big farms that export that sell to corporations we do not mm-hmm. family on farm we keep our coffee local only on this farm is what I mean by local if you want it you have to come to this farm and get it Period. picking coffee all of it by hand and that is everywhere in Colombia because it um, has to do with the slopes in Brazil, they'll use machines because they have a lot of flat ground coffee. Um, machines would just tumble down our slopes. So, a lot of hand-picked, no matter the size of the farm, even if they have to hire 100 people, they will, 100 pickers. The bad thing about it is they pay horrible. They'll pay anywhere from 300 to 500 pesos for every kilo that is collected. So you can imagine people are slaving themselves picking. Yeah. And they're going to pick a lot of green, Maybe a lot of rotten beans. They just want a lot of weight. They don't care. So we don't want useless green beans, and we don't want nasty, low-quality rotten beans. So we'll pay our pickers a salary. Because we're a small farm, we can do that. Easy. Um, So at the end of the day, they're like, we're we're going to get a good pay anyways, regardless of our weight. They don't slave themselves, and they pick only the good quality. The bad quality, compost. The green, they leave.
1: So that's a better better economic model, you think, in order to get the best beans out, is to pay the people a bit more. I mean, 300 pesos for a kilo. What's that? It's like 10 cents. Yeah. Yeah, 10 cents a kilo. That's that's not fair trade.
2: Roasting, roasting has two different keys. The first key to roasting is constant stirring. You want a nice, even roast, and you don't want the bottom ones to burn. Your second key is the length of time. If you roast it for one hour, you're gonna get a very dark roast, a very bitter, strong flavor. Um, we don't like that, we like smooth coffee. So we're gonna roast it anywhere from 35 to 45 minutes, preferably the 40 is what we use. 40 minutes will give you a very chocolatey colored bean, a very smooth, mild coffee. If you want a lighter roast, then you'll do 25 to 30 minutes. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but the longer you roast, of course, the more bitter and stronger flavor, but the less caffeine it'll have. So the darker the roast, the less caffeine. So you'll taste like it's gonna give you a buzz. It's very strong, but it's really not gonna give you a buzz. Cause you're burning the caffeine out, out of the bean. It's kind of like popcorn as well. As it heats up, you'll start hearing like little popping sounds going on. That's good. That means the bean is expanding, growing, releasing its natural oils that it has, giving it its color, its flavor, its aroma, texture, everything in between. Hmm. Okay. Thoughts.
1: It is very smooth. Yes. So that's what I should be noticing, right? hmm
2: There's no really bitter aftertaste. That's,
1: that's true as well.
0: I never ever would have thought that I would drink a short black coffee with no sugar and enjoy black it. milk. Yeah. This is like unheard of. That's nice. Because I never, I never drink coffee, let alone black coffee, let alone without any sugar. This is great. <laughs> Mm.
1: So so having lived in Jersey what are, you, what are the big differences between coffee culture there Or coffee mm-hmm. Coffee, uh, coffee. <laughs> In Jersey and coffee and uh, coffee culture here in Columbia
2: um, Actually it's more appreciated there And in New York Places like that They're actually liking more organic They're liking to drink it without sugar they like little local coffee shops in their corners instead of the Starbucks and stuff like that. Here, more of tinto with milk, they'll add sugar, different things to their coffee. It's just the culture how it was, how it is here. You would think that it gets drank tinto here because it comes from here, really. But no. It's more appreciated places where they'll receive it and not see it as much. Here we see it so much that it's just like we just changed it all around.
0: Probably gonna be the best coffee experience of my entire life, so just I'm just gonna enjoy
2: it. Glad to be your guide.
1: (laughs) We just uh, doubled down on another trout dinner back here in Salento. I mean. I think trout is all they have on the menu, basically, in this whole town. They probably even have trout for Christmas. (laughs) Because it's Christmas here in Colombia, and I imagine it's Christmas everywhere else as well. Um, In fact...
0: That is how it works, bae. Yeah, it generally
1: works that it's Christmas at this time of year. And here in Colombia, they go for Christmas big time, don't they? They really get into it. The main thing you notice is the lights. Now, every house seems to have decoration. Uh, you know, lights around the doors, you know, tree lights, and all this sort of thing that you can see through the front window, and uh, you know, a lot of it sort of resembles what you'd imagine uh, or what we saw with on um, Home Improvement with Tim the Toolman Taylor. You know, like getting the lights, really plugging, using every plug in the household to sort of light your place up to show that you've got the best christmas lights
0: yeah but it's not just um personal lights the cities also go crazy doing lights so when we were in medellin we were uh went for a bit of a night tour around some of the lights and just everywhere that you could possibly put or hang lights christmas related lights they do um and we were wondering like what is the expense of doing this you know
1: well, this is, the, this is the thing, actually. And a lot of mun- municipalities have said to people, look, we don't want you running Christmas lights. It really drains our grids. And um, you know, we're going to have to put up power prices. Okay. But people, it's such a tradition here that a lot of people have said, no, stuff you, mm. I'm putting bloody lights on my house.
0: Yeah, because we stayed with um, Hernando in Chinchina and he said in his neighbourhood, normally um, like a group of neighbours organise lights that go on everybody's houses and this oh. is the first year it hasn't happened.
1: Oh, really? And is that because yeah. of these, these sort of rules about yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, how much electricity people spend on Christmas lights? Exactly. Well, That's quite, quite interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And, um, and yeah, I guess they're encouraging people just to take part in these sort of town plaza you know lights yeah. and things like that because that's quite interesting those are all sponsored by energy companies well,
0: um, like, like different energy companies yeah
1: or whoever whatever The I think they have a sort of system here where there's like a state-owned or partially state-owned electricity um, company in every state mm-hmm. and uh, yeah those companies generally uh fund or sponsor a lot of these christmas lights
0: yeah we went actually we went for a walk um in Manesales the other night with our friends um jose and alba um they took us out for a very fun day and it ended up we were walking through all of the christmas lights that they have there and they have all sorts of stuff like flowers stuff hanging from trees they have like um little fake houses all made out of lights they had um, Joseph and Mary with baby Jesus all in lights. Um, yeah, so it, it's quite, I don't know, it's it's kind of fun. Like, lights are good. Everybody loves lights, right?
1: <sighs> well, another the thing they also love is nativity scenes. Oh my God, yeah. Like, oh my goodness. Like, there are some, like, quite impressive looking ones. We stayed in a place in Marikita, um the other night and the family had this, like, big nativity scene all set out on one of their shelves uh, you know, Jesus, the donkey, the three wise men, the star, the whole lot. Um,
0: and also approximately 300 sheep.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I think there's been some specials in some of these knick-knack shops oh, to buy yeah. like a bag of plastic sheep, you know, a thousand for a few dollars.
0: Yeah, there were, there were camels and I think there was a giraffe as well.
1: A giraffe. That's a unusual character to find in a, in a nativity scene. And you've learnt the Spanish word for the nativity scene. No, because you've seen so many, you had to sort of learn the word.
0: Yeah, but I find, I find the word kind of hard to remember. But it is pesebre. That is the word for the nativity. And I think, like, even, um, like, towns have them. Some of them are quite big and impressive. The one at the pool was, I mean, you say it's big and impressive. It, it really wasn't. It was pretty budget. Um, well, not
1: as budget as that one we saw in that little town, what was called Palestina or something the other night. It was basically a rabbit hutch with some straw and they chucked in a few plastic characters.
0: Do you know what? That one actually made me feel kind of sad. Like, that's the, that is the rangiest, crappiest nativity scene that we've seen the whole time, I think. And I was just like, oh no. I guess, you know, it's nice they made an effort, but it was pathetic.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know. Pathetic? You know, the way we're going, we'd probably be staying in, inside one of these nativity scenes or in a manger or something on Christmas Eve. So uh, I guess you know, maybe on Christmas Eve we make up our own nativity scene.
0: That sounds really creepy, but it does bring me to another point, which is the focus of the little kids. So instead of it being on, like, Santa and Rudolph and the sleigh and the big sack of gifts, um, weirdly, they the little kids here think that baby Jesus brings them all their presents so I don't really know they obviously don't think through the mechanics of how this would actually work how a baby like knows what they want for Christmas not,
1: nor do children think through the mechanics of how some fat man uh, travels around in a sleigh and lands on ruse and shucks presents down chimneys
0: yeah but no Santa Claus has a factory with elves working in it making toys yeah he makes a list he knows whether you've been good or bad No? He's got the sleigh, he's got the magic reindeer, all the logistics are sorted. You know, baby Jesus, I'm not sure how that works.
1: So where does Jesus buy his presents? (laughs) Maybe he goes to those Christian bookstores or something. (laughs) (laughs) Our In Praise Of segment is back! This is where we sort of... Talk about things that we're appreciative for. Um, Some of these things that have made our time here in Colombia even nicer. So, Shelley, what have uh, you enjoyed?
0: Well, I actually want to um, praise Bogota because in the. Yeah, boggers. because in the last podcast we said some unkind things about the city, and um, actually we said it was very stressful, and that's because we had a lot to do, we were rushing around, we needed to fix our bikes, it's difficult to move around in that city, they don't have a good transport system. Um, but after we'd got all that done, we ended up staying on for an extra night, and we had a lovely walk through a big park they have there, Simone Bolivar Park, um, and actually on the day that we left as well, we left the city entirely on cycle lanes. And And so we kind of felt like we owed Bogota a bit of an apology. So yeah, I'm in praise of the capital city of Colombia.
1: For me, I'm into chicken gloves. So this is a phenomenon that the world over we need to sort of copy. So the situation goes like this. You want chicken. And you see, you go to a chicken place, and they've got like rotisserie chicken there, and it's cheap. It's like, sometimes it's around 15,000 pesos, which is, what, three pounds for a whole chicken? And then with that, you often get a drink, potatoes, little roast potatoes, little arepas, these little corn tortilla type things. And um, you, um, you dig in. But the thing that makes us a celebration is the chicken glove. Now, they're not like um, surgical plastic gloves, uh, they are like, they're sort of, you know when you go to a bakery or go to the supermarket and you buy bread that they've made on site and it's got that kind of bubbly plastic on it, it's not the bread that comes from the factory in those plastic, proper plastic bags with the tie on it, they've kind of been heat sealed. But it's, it's those sort of that sort of type of plastic, but stronger, that you can sort of slip a glove onto your hand. And what you do, you put the glove on the hand, and then you just get your hands all into the chicken, you're ripping it apart, you're just mushing it all around your face, and then you can um, take these gloves off at, as you finish, and you don't have sort of greasy, chickeny hands. So I think this is going to be an absolute ripper when we introduce this in New Zealand. We set up some sort of chicken restaurant called cfk or something and (laughs) (laughs) and uh, basically you'll just be given gloves you buy chicken and then you just rip it apart no with chicken gloves on and uh, have a really great time
0: we've been asked this question um a couple of times in the past week or so which is shelly and baden what are you going to be doing for christmas where will you be and the answer is, we don't really know.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't know. We've always said that we're um, heading towards Kali, and, but we haven't found a Colombian family in Kali. I mean, we haven't even arrived in Kali. We're probably about 150 k from there still. But, uh, yeah, we're sort of just hoping that luck will have it, that we'll be riding along and, you know, baby Jesus will come along and... <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> and say, yeah, come spend uh, the Christmas back at the manger with me and the family. Um, but no, we've got we've got no plans at all. We're heading for Cali, which is kind of like the third city here in Colombia, third biggest city, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then we're just going to kind of keep heading south towards Ecuador. So um, yeah, when you're having your sort of big family Christmases, and you know you got the barbie in New Zealand, or you're roasting up a turkey in London uh, or in the UK think about us we'll just be uh probably just another day cycling right
0: yeah but don't forget Kali is the city of salsa it's also there's a big fair there and they have lots of horses galloping around and it's going to be exciting come on
1: oh, so me and baby jesus can uh, yeah. dance salsa together i think that this because this time we are forming a plan aren't we
0: Well, I think that's the podcast for this time. Thank you very much for listening. As always, we'd love to know how you are and where you are. You can email us howareyouwhereareyou at gmail.com or you can go to the blog howareyouwhereareyou.com. Post a comment under this podcast. Have a look at the photos that accompany the podcast. We've got links if you want to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Thank you very much to Callum Campbell for the original music in the podcast. Callum, we, we would have liked some Christmas stings, but Callum did not supply those, so we could not use them. <laughs> Something jingly, jingle bellsy, but I'm sorry about that. Um, you can get Baden online at BadenC on Twitter or Baden Cycling on Instagram. And yeah, I think that's uh, that's us. Is there anything else, Babe? Well
1: I guess, you know, Merry Christmas Thanks for listening to our podcast And I guess, you know, we're looking to be uh, Welcomed in by someone here in Colombia So if you see some uh, Cycle tourists riding down your street Wherever you're listening Maybe just uh, invite them in and uh, have Christmas Or anyone who you know know That could be alone at Christmas time Yeah, that's the season to sort of Meet someone new, get them in around the table. I'm sure they'll be great people.
0: Yeah, and there's always too much food, so just yeah, get more people around, have more fun. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Merry Christmas, Feliz Navidad.